0: Uh, Yeah, good morning. This is the day the Lord hath made, let us rejoice and be glad in it. We are so glad to see you here this morning to help us worship at Borland Springs Baptist Church. Thank you for worshiping with us today.
1: Our worship this morning as we prepare to sing how great is our God here now from Psalm 66 the words of David shout joyfully to God all the earth sing the glory of his name make his praise glorious say to God how awesome are your works because of the greatness of your power your enemies will give feigned obedience to you all the earth will worship you and will sing praises to you they will sing praises to your name Let's stand together and sing the great song, How Great Is Our God. Let's stand together.
2: The hymn is
0: number 322, and at this time we'll receive the uh, Heck Jones offering if you would
2: bring them forward and place in the baskets. Thank you.
0: invite the children to come forward and join us at the front okay let me get my stuff here all right my goodness look at all my children today they were so happy to see all of you but I need some helpers you want to help excuse me you want to help me all right hold that hold up I lost one thank you thank you Eliza all right. Now most of you go to school and daycare. So, which pencil do you want to go to work with? Which one had? Why do you want that one? It has, it has little frogs on it. It has little frogs. so that's a special pencil in it. But you know what? This pencil doesn't have an eraser on it. And it doesn't have a point on it. So it's not really the best pencil, is it? Okay, now, I got markers. Now, Luke, I'm going to give you this marker, and I want you to mark on Hadley's paper. Just just a second, Piper. Now I'll let you do the purple. Does it work? Kind Kind of, yeah. All right, Piper. You get the purple. You draw me a circle. Draw me a, just draw me something on Hadley's paper.
3: Sure. I make it There you
0: go. Is is that better than that? Yeah. yeah, that's a lot better than that, isn't it? It does have the wrong lid on it, doesn't it? Thank you. You know Miss Ellen sometimes just gets in a hurry and she puts lids on anything she can find. I'm sorry, we'll fix it when we go back, okay? All right, Pastor Keith's gonna tell the congregation today about two men, a Pharisee and a tax collector. They went into the church one day and the Pharisee told everybody how good he was and how much he had done for everybody and how he was the best man. Then the tax collector came in and he told God what he had done that might not be the best thing in the world. Things that he had done that weren't always right. So we're looking at our pencils or our markers or what we do. But Jesus says, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus wants us to understand one thing, that his love is endless. It doesn't matter. It's not based on how good you look or how well you acted at school, but it's that you love everybody. And we need to remember that when we're at school and when we're at daycare Because we need to remember to love everyone. And we need to be the best people we can be. Can we do that? You can. I know you can, Piper. You can too. I think everybody here can do that. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for these children, for the love they have for you, this church, for their families, for their friends. We ask that you forgive us when we do things wrong. And we know you will, Lord, because we trust you. Take care of us, Lord. Hold our hand, hug us tight, and help us be the people you want us to be. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, Hadley.
2: Good morning. morning. Great. Uh, We're going to take a moment for what I call one of the bittersweet moments in the life of a congregation, in the life of a church. And uh, I'm going to ask the bittersweet person if she would come forward, if Betsy Beeson would join me. Now, to clarify, the bitter and the sweet. I'll start with the sweet. It's been a sweet privilege for Betsy to be our secretary, our friend, our fellow church member for 30 years in Boiling Springs Baptist Church. The slightly bitter part is the fact that uh, she's going, she has chosen uh, to go into a different phase of life and activity and energy. And we're uh, grateful for the time that she has served. And so uh, there are several presentations I want to make on behalf of the uh, church and the personnel committee. But first, I would like to recognize Betsy's family, both immediate and extended, or even a fourth cousin twice removed. Uh, (laughs) It may be the whole congregation. Uh, If you're a, a part of Betsy's family, if you would please stand for a moment and be recognized. Thank you. Uh, There are several things we want to do today. Again, want to invite you to a reception at 3 o'clock in our Life Enrichment Center to honor Betsy and give you an opportunity to bring cards or letters or to verbally share uh, some memories that you have had with Betsy over the years. And there are several things I want to present to Betsy uh, at this point. I'm going to ask Keith if he would assist me Uh, On behalf of the church, Betsy, we want to give you a tangible uh, reminder of Bording Springs Baptist Church, and we have a picture of the church uh, given to you on behalf of the church. So I want to thank you for that. And then uh, I'm presenting you with... uh, an envelope that symbolizes the love gift that you have given to Betsy. And I told her beforehand, Betsy, it's an empty envelope because money is yet to be counted, or perhaps money is yet to come in. So again, uh, show your love uh, here. But uh, what can you say about Betsy? Well, several days ago, I sat down uh, at my word processor and I created an acrostic memory for Betsy on behalf of the congregation. B is for the beautiful smile that you have shown to all you've encountered. E is for the encouraging words that you've given to the anxious and the hurting throughout the seasons of their lives. T is for 30 years of faithful service to Bowling Springs Baptist Church. S is for the servant who is willingly working beyond office hours to to, to meet the needs of her congregation. Y is for your enduring devotion to both family and church through words and action. B is for benevolence. We have all benefited from both the large and the small ways that you have been kind to us, even when we might not have been kind to you. E is for eagerness you have shown by listening to those on the phone and in person. A is for the artistic insight and ability that you have shared with the church. S is seeing your work in the church, not simply as a job, but as your ministry before God. O is for the oversight you have given to the recording the preserving and the recalling of the history and memories of Boiling Springs Baptist Church. And N is for never, never will we forget what you have done for us and what you have meant to the life of this congregation. Would you join me in saying thank you to Betsy B's?
4: It's hard, I I don't know how to put in words. I didn't write anything down. I had brought a little paper up here that had some figures on it. And that's my grandson, so I'll be doing that. I'll be be doing that after this, but um, I just want you to know how much I appreciate each and every one of you. And I know a lot of people are not here today. I just, I love every one of you and I have thoroughly enjoyed my job. You know, I mean, every now and then I'm like, Ugh, I don't want to do this. <laughs> but um, I just, I can't say how many times that I have been happy with you and I have grieved with you. I've made mistakes in bulletins that you have forgiven. Um, and I, I I just don't even know what to say. I'll have to write it down. I'm gonna write, I told Roger, I said, leave me a little space in the next current so my thoughts can be written down. But I do appreciate my family being here today. Uh, my son, Matthew, couldn't be here because his, his little baby is sick, but um, I appreciate my children for giving up time with me for so long. Uh, there were times that I couldn't be there with them, but they would c- <laughs> And I know this is probably not the place to say this, but sometimes they would come to work with me and they'd run all over this place. They knew every little hiding place. And I was so afraid they were gonna jump off the balcony or something like that, but um, they never did. But um, through the years, y'all have helped raise, raise my children too. And I appreciate that. You've welcomed me with open arms and... I just I love you I've enjoyed working with all the many pastors and ministers that have come and gone and I just I don't know and Susan I love you you taught me so much and I had the privilege of working with you for 25 25 years and then Heidi I've I just adored you, you are something else, and she can do anything. She can do my job, too, so y'all, y'all will not be in trouble, so staff and Heidi can get it all done, But um, and I know I'm rambling, but thank you, thank you for the picture, thank you for the love offering, thank you for showing me the love. and. Just know i'm not a good speaker so thank you i love you love you love you each and every one.
1: thank you doug and thank you betsy if my numbers i'm not a mathematician but uh, i may share more of this this afternoon but betsy if my calculations are even close uh, 52 bulletins a year for sunday morning times 30 years. Sunday morning bulletins alone is over 1,500 bulletins. That's a lot of words. That's a lot of music and a lot of preaching and scripture and uh, adding in the special services. And well, I'm sure you're on up to closer to 2,000 probably for some Sunday night and, and special services. So uh, thank you, Betsy. And we look forward to celebrating with you this afternoon and glad the family could be here today and in full glory this morning. There goes one right now. So um we do have, unfortunately, many uh, prayer concerns and things that I want to mention this morning. Before I go into the prayer concerns, let me share that um, this Wednesday is Ash Wednesday. As typically as Baptist, that's not something that we have celebrated in tremendous ways over the past years. But in the last few years, we have done a community Ash Wednesday service. This has been in collaboration with area churches, also with Garden Web University. And so this Wednesday at noon, we'll be gathering in the little chapel inside the Tucker Student Center, the large building near the lake. And if you'll come there uh, just before noon, but the service will begin at noon. If you come in the front door and just turn around to the right, the far corner is the chapel. And so uh, it's always just a very unique and a very special service as we uh, commemorate and begin the season of Lent in, in preparation for Easter Sunday. Uh, it involves a time of confession. And should you be a part of that service and so choose, you can get ashes imposed upon your wrist or your forehead that day uh, to remind us all that from ashes we have come into ashes we will return. And it's a very special, very unique service. So in light of this fact, in light of the fact too, that we have emphasized this devotional project that we have talked about as a church, the devotions are currently on sitting on the front pew. I have uh, 200 sitting there. I have another hundred in my office. I thought I brought in here, but there's 200 on the pew and I could bring in another hundred if need be but encourage you to pick up a devotion. These have been written by people that some of you are sitting on the pews with and others that we know in our community and then friends of our church family and family members of, uh, of some of our church members as well. And so these, uh, it's just a, well, we're very proud of the way that's turned out and encourage you not only to get your copy, but pick up a copy for a friend or for a coworker. It's a great way to, to, to share your faith with them in the sense of offering them, offering them that devotional and then maybe in a week or so, follow up with them and ask them, you know how have they have they been reading it? Have they been enjoying it? And you can pick up your copy and some copies for friends, coworkers, neighbors there on the front pew. Please do that before we leave this morning. Also, next Sunday, I want to mention a couple of things. One is we will be celebrating and remembering the Lord's Supper during our worship hour next Sunday morning, and so I encourage you to be here for that. And also next Sunday evening, I'll be beginning a study on the book of Old Testament book of Jeremiah. He was a very unique prophet there in the Old Testament. And I am very excited about leading this and encourage each of you to come. Uh, Jeremiah was, was, again, I like to use the word unique. Uh, you will find great inspiration uh, in, in diving in and looking at uh, the prophet Jeremiah. So come and join me next Sunday afternoon for that. The church family does extend sympathy this morning to the family of Dr. Carl Jordan, who passed away this last week. Uh, Carla Jordan, who's here in our church, married to Carlos, Uh, this is her father. And so we extend family, we extend sympathy to them. Uh, His service was this last Friday there in Cliffside. Also, we continue to extend sympathy to the family of Ann Lancaster. Her service will be here this coming Saturday, February the 29th, at 11 a.m. here in the sanctuary, uh, with visitation prior in the LEC from 10 to 11. And again, that is a service for Ann Lancaster. As far as prayer concerns this morning, I, I do uh, these are all people we love, but I'm going to go through them quickly, because I have many. Let's continue to remember Cy Bridges and lie of his accident recently. Let's continue to remember Roger Humphreys. We're glad you're here this morning, Roger. Uh, sorry for your troubles this week. Dave and Carolyn Gordon. Thomas Williams, um, one of our youth dads spent some time, um, who has a child in the youth, let me specify that. Um, he was in Charlotte this week for a heart procedure. He is home and is doing okay, and so we're thankful for that. Ms. Sybil Beeson goes in for uh, procedure this Wednesday in Charlotte, so Sybil we will be remembering you for the heart calf. Uh, Wesley's dad, John Smith, has been in the Charlotte hospital for some time and remains there uh, following some clots and a surgery to remove those. Klein Hamrick is now in Mount Holly and at uh, the rehab there in Mount Holly. Let's remember Klein and Catherine as I see the family is most likely with him this morning. And then Kelly Wallace, Terry and Kelly. Kelly that, um, uh, well, I think they both sing the choir, right? Terry, yeah, yeah. Uh, Kelly's dad is in the hospital in Seneca, South Carolina and undergoing some concerns at this hour. And so let's remember him. And then Irene Murray's brother, Lawrence Tony is in hospice at this time. I'm sure I'm missing something that is pressing, but there's just a lot of needs within our church family, both um, physical and then many of you are struggling with other things related to jobs and career and family and uh, that go unmentioned this morning as well. So we certainly acknowledge that. But let's go to the Lord now and lift up these concerns in prayer. Gracious God and loving God, we thank you for family. We thank you for friendships. As we think about Betsy and her 30 years here, Lord, we're grateful for all the ministry that has taken place as we think back through her time here. Lord, I, as I shared with her Friday at lunch, Lord, you have used her in, 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 in ways that have taken place through the office to advance your kingdom. Sure, that, that has happened in printed material, but it's happened in many other ways as well. And so, Lord, we give you thanks this morning for Betsy and her life, her testimony, and her time here at Boiling Springs Baptist. Lord, we give you praise for your presence in our lives, in the ups and the downs and uh, the different things that we go through. We never know what a week may hold. Uh, I think of the the box of chocolates. When you open them up, you you never know what you're going to get. And Lord, each day is often like that. We, We wake up each day not knowing what may come our way. And so, Father, we're thankful for your presence with us in the midst of the uncertain, in the midst of the unknown. Lord, our hearts grieve for these who have lost loved ones, Uh, for those that are experiencing sorrow and grief this morning. God, we pray for your comforting presence. Lord, be a God of refuge and strength and a very present help in time of trouble. For those that are experiencing physical concerns at this hour, those that are present with us and those that are not, Lord, we pray for your healing touch. We pray that uh, procedures that are taking place this week would go well. We pray for those that are in rehab, that you would continue to help them to have the courage to fight each day to get better and give wisdom and knowledge to all those who are caring for them there. Lord, we love you. We lift up the concerns that go unmentioned this morning, those that weigh heavy on our hearts related to family, related to career, related to uh, -to day-to-day life. Lord, we pray that we would look to you, that we would put our faith and trust in you. That as we move into this season of preparation for Easter Sunday, Lord, each day we are reminded that, God, you are our risen Savior. That's not something we wait for Easter Sunday to celebrate. But, Lord, we are thankful that we serve a God who has lived and walked among us and showed us what it is to to live and to relate to others while walking this earth. Lord, we're thankful for the life that you live, the death that you died, and for the hope that we have in the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, speak to us in ways that we need to be spoken to this morning. Challenge us as we open up your word and as we read it, as we uh, meditate on it with our minds and our hearts. Lord, stir us and move us to a deeper walk and commitment with you. God, we love you. Forgive us for where we've fallen short, Lord, and help us to look to you always as we continue to move forward each day in living for you. God, we love you. Bless the music, the prayers, the preaching, the reading of your word today. May it be a sweet smelling aroma to you. Lord, bless us this day when we leave this place. May we say it's good to have been in the house of the Lord today. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Our hymn is number 43, Grace Alone. 43. If you are able, please stand and join in singing. That you forgive our sins. I pray for the sick and bereaved, for those struggling with everyday life. I pray you would give them comfort and peace. Thank you, Lord, for life itself and all the many blessings you have given me. Thank you for blessing this church body. I pray that you would give that we would give back a portion of our time, talents, and money to further your kingdom's work. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen.
1: Wire. Are you ready for some good news? Before reading today's text, I can't help but think of our bluegrass friend, Max, who's often down here with our, our bluegrass group. And if you've heard the bluegrass group, it's, it's more than likely you've heard the song that he loves to sing and that he really shines on called Two Men a Praying. I can see him now, you know, down there just jamming out to that Two Men a Praying song. Well, this morning is the passage behind that song, Two Men Praying of praying during the first century devout the devout would observe three prayer times during the day uh, you know I thought of the Dr. Pepper old 10 2 and 4 thing I have some bottles I saw at my dad's house this week it wasn't 10 2 and 4 but what they say for, for the, the devout Jewish uh, men who would go to the temple at 9 12 and 3 uh, they would uh, go to the temple to pray and so if you have your Bibles this morning it will be on the screen but uh, you have your, you can find it there in the pew Bible as well You may want to keep it out to reference it during our time. But Luke 18, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. The parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. I'm going to read the beginning verse 9 twice and read it out of another translation, but uh, beginning at verse 9. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves, that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. So in the Good News Translation, that verse 9 reads, Jesus also also told this parable to people who were sure of their own goodness and despised everybody else. And so then Jesus tells this story in verse 10. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, and even like this tax collector. God, I ask for your blessing on the reading and the preaching of your word today. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Jesus tells today in our passage, our parable, the story of, of two men from Cleveland County. Well, no, just go with me here. It could be two people anywhere, but, 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 but go with me here. Who went? Um, who went to pray? One man sat near the front so everyone could see him. And when he was called on to give the morning prayer, he prayed, "God, I'm thankful you have someone as wonderful as I am who believes in you to give the morning prayer. I'm thankful that I'm not like the others in the community this morning who are not present. I'm thankful that I'm like others who do that. I'm not like others who do things wrong. I don't take things from other people. I don't treat people badly. I don't commit adultery." I don't take advantage of people. And then he lists the things that he does that others fail to do. I fast twice a week, I pay my tithe, and I follow the rules. This man also says in his heart, maybe not verbally, I'm an outstanding person and you should be thankful that I take my time to worship with you today. The other man in the story knows that he's missed the mark of God's righteousness. And if truth be known, others in the community know it as well. He also comes to pray, confessing, God, have compassion or be merciful to me for I am a sinner. Jesus tells us this man went home justified justified, while whereas the others or other did not. Religion comes in many shapes and sizes. I talk about it with my family often. You have with yours as well. We know of People that worship differently than we do, that have different standards, different customs, different traditions. But religion comes in all shapes and sizes. And just as in Jesus' day, there's a kind of religion where doing all the right things for all the wrong reasons existed both then and, unfortunately, still does today. Some have even declared this is the kind of religion that makes God sick. Some have a religion that is highly impressed with itself, the attitude of, I don't need God, I'm adequate to take care of myself. How often do we come before God impressed with who we are and and how much we've done? In effect, we're saying, how fortunate you are, God, to have someone worship you as wonderful as I am. Hopefully that doesn't happen. But if we're not careful, we could have a religion that is based on the rules. Chuck Swindoll, in his book, Grace Awakening, one of his um, best books, tells the story of a missionary couple who became so discouraged on the mission field that they gave up and went home. And their discouragement came not from lack of fruit in their ministry, but from, unfortunately, the criticism of the other missionaries who criticized them for not being spiritual enough. Because this young couple loved peanut butter, they made arrangements for some to be sent to them. And the other missionaries had concluded that a mark of the couple's spiritual maturity would be to give up peanut butter. And they were so critical of the young missionary couple that the couple finally gave up and went home. I'm sure there's more to this story, but you get the drift. There were other missionaries that were putting uh, some, some rules and some conditions on how these missionaries needed to serve. The veteran missionaries had adopted a religious system based on rules. And when the young couple did not follow their rules, the young couple was judged to be unfit. The Pharisee in today's story had a list too. These are the things that a religious person would do and would not do. Do you know some Christians who make a list and check it twice to determine who's naughty and who's nice? Swindoll, Chuck Swindoll goes on to say that one of the enemies of vital Christianity today is legalism. And what's wrong with this? If our faith is based on rules, the list of do's and don'ts are never complete. We always add more. And we are the ones that are often coming up with the new rules. And if they are really Christian, then they wouldn't do this. And they, then they would do that. And um, unfortunately, and I'm, I'm pleased to say I think at times in our society this gets better, but it's still prevalent within our culture today. I shared with this congregation probably several times the fact that I grew up at Faith Christian Day School up to the sixth grade. And I'm glad that I went to regular public school starting in the seventh grade because I'm not sure I would be standing in this pulpit today had I remained at Faith Christian Day School. My hair could not touch my collar. I had to wear a collar shirt. Uh, Shirt tail always tucked in, had to wear a belt. There were certain rules, and then they would come up with some new rules the next year about things that we could say or not say or things that we could do and not do at the school. And it was this constant, um, I'm I'm fortunate that in the midst of that environment that was based on rules, that I saw more love amid the rules than I did uh, the rules. Uh, I'm grateful that amid the rules, there were people that loved me and didn't turn me away from the faith um, that I still hold on to today. But the Christian life is not about following rules. We all know that. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And as we grow in our relationship with him, we desire to do the things and be the person that God has called us to be. We desire to be the man of God and the woman of God that he's called us to be. Uh, It's easier to follow, in a sense, the rules. It's easier to do the things that are asked of us uh, by our Lord and Savior if we have that relationship with him. If we know that he has our best interest at heart, if we go out and do the things that he's asked us not to do, he knows that our lives are going to be, we're going to experience more peace and we're going to experience a greater communication, a greater relationship with him if we do the things that he's asked us to do and not do the things that he's asked us not to do. We're going to have a greater communication, a greater fellowship uh, with him if that's the case. If we're doing all the right things for all the wrong reasons, we will eventually have a religion that shows contempt or disgust for other people. The problem with Mr. Pharisee is that he was more religious than God. He thought of himself so highly of himself, in turn, he thought very lowly of others. Mr. Pharisee trusted himself and regarded others with contempt or disgust. This often, again, frequently happens in churches today. He doesn't believe like we do, so we run them off. He or she doesn't say the things that we do or say, so we put them down. He doesn't have the same list of rules. Again, so we put them down. He doesn't belong to our church. He must not be worth much. That's a horrible statement. I don't think any of us, I hope, would would never think that. But such conclusions are based on an improper understanding of discipleship. The distinguishing mark of a true disciple is not the rightness of our theology, the righteousness of our morality, not the riches of our devotional life, nor the rigors of our churchmanship. As Betsy shared up here, and all the things that, that she's been involved in, and Candy and I, and Heidi, and, and uh, Bet, uh, Roger, and we could all share about the uh, rigor sometimes of churchmanship, uh, the, the uh, workload sometimes. And some of you know what that looks like some weeks for us, and sometimes uh, many of you may not be aware of that. But here we have a gentleman who's showing someone who's, who's feeling pride, who's standing up and saying, Look at all the things that I do and all the things that I don't do. There's an an improper understanding, if you will, at times of discipleship. Jesus said in John 13, 35, the world will know we are his, not because of the things we do, the way we dress, and the rigor of our lives each day in serving the Lord, but the world will know that we are his because of our love for one another. As part of this, I wanna share with you some characteristics that we may place on what we would call a true disciple. And and think about this, these are all good things. What we would call a true disciple, number one, needs to be a careful student of the scriptures. We need to know the Bible and we need to study the Bible. We do that often here. We do it always here at church, hopefully on Sunday mornings and and through Bible study, through worship, but they need to be a careful student of the scriptures, zealous and active in their stand for God. We wanna stand for God and his ways and will in the world and in our lives. This disciple would also have an appetite for worship and prayer, consistent in worship attendance, Practices scripture memorization, not afraid of public prayer, active in the affairs of the local church, fast regularly, I'm not asking for any hands on that one, has a desire to stand against blasphemy and ungodliness, and has a firm grasp of basic foundational theological truths. These sound like characteristics of a true disciple of Christ, right? Church, they were all characteristics of the Pharisees. Now, yes, there were good Pharisees, but Jesus often had some hard things to say about the Pharisees. He pronounced certain woes on the Pharisees. Earlier in Luke 11, he describes them as those men who outwardly are clean, but inside are full of robbery and wickedness. In Matthew 23, he says this of the Pharisees. All the things they say to do, do them, but do not do according to their deeds, for they say things and do not do them. So if those characteristics that I listed are all good things, if they are not characteristics of a true disciple, then what can we say are characteristics of a true disciple? Unfortunately, when it comes to the outward appearance and the markings, or excuse me, the workings of church and religion, these are far easier than the true work of discipleship. It's easy to come to church. It's easy to study. It's easy to do some of the things that we do than to give our lives wholeheartedly in relationship to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's easier to do some of the workings and the rigor of churchmanship than it is to follow him in our daily lives at times. Some basic principles of discipleship. So if those things are not characteristics of a true disciple, what are? And these are by no means some conclusive list, but just some things for us to think about. First of all, real life disciples own their own faith. This is not a faith that uh, was, was my mom's or dad's. It's not a faith that was grandmother's. You know, I was with my Uncle Roger this week and helping care for some things for my dad, and we got to talking about uh, my grandmother, his mother this week, and it was a rem- reminder of where I was going this morning in the sense that, you know, real-life disciples own their own faith. It's not a faith that's based on mom or dad or grandmother, grandfather, or someone else in our family, but it's a faith that becomes real and personal to us. It's a discipleship and a commitment that is lived out in between the inspirational moments. When we're not at youth camp, and we're not on our high from a youth retreat or a women's retreat or some great retreat, but we're in the drudgery of everyday and common life and we're living out our faith in the midst of that. Real life discipleship also opportunities to flesh out our faith in our homes, and our places of work, with our coworkers, with our neighbors, when we see need within our community. It means we are active in our faith both through the sharing of our lips and through the sharing of our deeds. We help as needed in addition to our praying, our reading, and our church activities. Real-life discipleship means taking opportunities to flesh out our faith. And the last thing I wanted to mention this morning is real-life disciples have faith that impacts both the head and the heart. Following Christ makes a difference in the way we think and also in the way that we feel. We are compelled to act in ways where it would be a lot easier to sit back and to do nothing. As Christ transforms our lives, he gives us a desire to grow and learn and a greater desire to serve and love others. I know many of you, some of you quite well now, and I know there have been times, I've seen it in your lives, when you've been compelled by the spirit of the Lord to do something for someone else. Some of you even just recently have called me and said, Keith, I wanna know what we could do as a church or what maybe just a few could do at our church for this need that you've noticed in our community. Maybe it was with a neighbor or with a friend. And I'm grateful as your pastor to always have those conversations because we begin to explore and we begin to pray about how we can go and meet those needs. Discipleship is also not a life of perfection. And we see this in the lives of the 12 imperfect men that we know as disciples. When we study these that went to eventually go and change the world, we also know that they were flawed individuals. When you look at Peter, he was often sticking his foot in his mouth. And as someone who speaks for a living, I can, I can resonate with um, But we know of John and Andrew. We know of the other disciples who often made mistakes. And again, these were imperfect men. And if there is hope for them, there is hope for you and there is hope for me. God is still taking flawed and imperfect individuals and using him, using them for his glory. The great question as we think about this parable this morning is, does my praying and overall attitude toward God resemble more of the Pharisee or more of the tax collector? Another question that we might could ask is, am I saying or doing all the right things for all the wrong reasons and with the wrong spirit? Am I allowing the Spirit of God to come into my life and to control the way that I interact with my family, the way that I live in community with my coworkers, with my neighbors, the ways that I interact, the ways that I'm involved in my church family? Am I allowing the Spirit of God to truly lead me and guide me in all those endeavors? The Apostle John in 1 John 1-9 says that if we will confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You and I, just like that tax collector, can stand before an almighty God this morning and say, God, forgive me, for I have sinned. Have compassion, have mercy on me, for I am a sinner. We're gonna close with an old familiar hymn, Just As I Am. If we truly come to God, the only way we can do that is to come simply as we are. How many times in church have we heard others say, well, when I get things right, I'll come back to church. When I can clean up my life, when I can clean up my act and get things back together, I'll come back to church. The tax collector in the story this morning came to God as he was. And he asked God to have mercy on him, the sinner. Let's stand and sing. We are going to sing all verses to this, just as I am. Allow the words to speak to you as we stand and as we sing. If there are commitments that you would... Choose to make this morning the invite. The altar is open. If you would choose to join with uh, the fellowship and membership of Bowling Springs Baptist Church, we invite you to come. Let's stand and sing together. encourage you before you leave today as always speak to someone that you haven't spoken to next sunday again lord's supper and a new study on jeremiah beginning next sunday night and this wednesday remember no 11 o'clock bible study here in prayer meeting but do encourage you to come over to tucker student center for a very special ash wednesday service the devotions are here down front like i said two or three hundred of them are here more in my office Take one for yourself, give one to a coworker, someone maybe that's not active in church, and uh, follow up with them in a week and see how things are going with them. But these are written by, again, people that you know and love. And so come down front and please take as many as you like. So let's close in a word of prayer. God, we love you. We thank you for your grace and mercy in our lives when we fall short each and every day. Lord, help us to go forward with a contrite heart. Father, as we move into this season of, of uh, preparing for Easter, as we think about your life and death, and resurrection, Father, help us to be willing to sacrifice those things in our own lives that may hinder that relationship with you. Father, we love you. We thank you for, again for your grace and mercy. We praise you as we leave this place today. In Jesus' name, all of God's people said, amen. amen.